Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Hello, lovely listeners, and hello, Dr. Lucy. How are you this fine morning? I am wonderful, Dr. Mary. I have had the most beautiful sleep after a few rough nights earlier in the week, so it's always lovely to get a restorative sleep. But you sound a little croaky. What's happening? I have laryngitis. I've got an upper respiratory tract infection. I've had my COVID test. It was negative. But yes, I'm quite croaky of voice and I will be resting my voice for the rest of today, but I will be talking for this podcast. Which is very helpful because it is hard to do a podcast without talking. Yes, indeed. My interpretive dancing skills will not be helpful in this setting. Not at all. Not at all. So we've got a ripper topic to talk about today, and I think something that the listeners will relate very well to. It's a topic that we often refer to as food bullies, and we are going to dive into the area around food shame. So would you like to explain, Mayors, to our listeners what we mean when we talk about those two concepts? Food bullies and food shame, really common. I certainly have experienced it in my low-carb journey. So I'm sure our listeners certainly know what we're talking about. It's when you feel pressured to eat the cake at a party or to have that extra you know, glass of wine or with my male patients who, who play sport, it's really common for them to go out and get chicken schnitzel chips and beer after their sport or even after just watching sport and they can feel really pressured into eating the high-carb, unhealthy food that they don't want to eat and will be told, you know, you're, you're a kale muncher, do you want some more diet water with that? And people can be really derided for their healthy food choices, which is unfortunate. It's food shame. And food shame, it can be really explicit like that, you know, being people be giving you a hard time for choosing not to have the chicken schnitzel and chips, or it could be a bit more subtle. I had a recent food shame with a really, really lovely, well-meaning friend. Um, we had a party, just a small gathering of friends out at a picnic, and my friend had gone to a whole lot of effort to provide food for me, except she didn't ask me. And she got a little bit confused about what I actually eat. And she had provided these gourmet sandwiches that were gluten-free, thinking that it was the gluten that I don't want to eat, when in actual fact, it's the carbohydrates. And gluten-free bread is just as carby as gluten-y bread. So I didn't want the bread. And it created this awkward moment where she felt a bit silly that you know she had made this song and dance about how she's being inclusive and allowing food for me and that she'd made this extra effort isn't it wonderful and yet it wasn't what I wanted to eat and I had a choice here I could just eat the sandwiches to make her feel better and just soothe her and say oh thank you so much for thinking of me isn't this lovely oh how wonderful or I could do what I did which was gently assert my own natural boundaries, my own boundaries that, no, I don't eat bread, I don't eat gluten-free bread, I don't eat normal bread, and just eat the insides of the sandwiches. Or actually what I ended up doing was eating the food that I brought for myself. And 
doing my best to express my gratitude to her and to help her through her uncomfortable feelings, but not sacrificing my own boundaries while I did it. Awkward, but doable. How about you, Lucy? You got any experience with food shame? Ah, totally. So we went to some friend's house uh, for a weekend away and um, the friends know I do low carb, but, uh, you know, sometimes people just forget. We'd bought a whole lot of food with us, including, you know, some befores, which was cheese and, and salami and antipasto type things, and they were cooking pasta. And halfway through cooking the pasta, one of my friends says to me, so you don't eat pasta, do you? And I go, no, I don't eat pasta. And she goes, oh, God, we've mixed all the sauce in with the pasta. And I go, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll just have this antipasto platter thing that we've bought. That's fine. And my husband, it was interesting, my husband was the one that wanted me to not make a big deal. He goes, just eat the pasta. It's not going to hurt this once. Just eat it. I go, I don't want to eat the pasta. So I'm saying to him, it's his hush breath. I don't want to eat the pasta. He's going, just eat the pasta. So he wanted me to eat the pasta because he felt bad because the husband in this couple kept saying to me, oh, Luce, I feel so terrible. I can't believe we didn't realize. And I'm going, listen, I don't feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. We're all here. We're enjoying each other's company. I'm not starving to death. I've got food. You've got food. Eating is not a team sport. We don't all have to eat the same food. We can just eat what suits each of us and we still enjoy each other's company. So please don't feel bad. So it was fine in the end. We got through it. Nobody was mortified. I was able to keep my boundary. My husband sort of got over it, whatever. But the most important thing was that my friends, I didn't want them to feel bad. But in this scenario where you've got a situation where there is an event, you know, there is some carbohydrate-laden food, somebody wants you to eat the food, you don't want to eat the food, one of you is going to be unhappy. Now, in my mind, it's my body. I'm the boss of me. So it's not going to be me that's unhappy. That's just how it is. They don't have to live with the consequences of being insulin resistant and eating a high carb food, waking up fluffy and the carb cravings and all of the unpleasantness that can go on for the for the few days after eating a, a pretty carby meal. Yeah. So it gets easier. I think this boundary assertion, it feels really uncomfortable at first. And we're pretty conditioned. It's amazing our conditioning that it's good manners to accept food that's been presented for you or provided for you. You know, we're taught in childhood that, you know, if you go to someone's house, you eat everything on your plate, that it's rude not to eat their food. So there's a lot of deep stories about what's acceptable and unacceptable. The question is whether that's the truth or not. And is it really rude to not accept food that doesn't serve you well? Or could we turn the tables and say, isn't it rude to insist that you do eat food that isn't good for you? These stories really do go very deep indeed. I mean, from an evolutionary point of view, we humans, we're tribal animals, we really, really want to fit in and evolutionarily our survival depended on, on us being able to fit in with the tribe. We needed the tribe to survive. And so we can actually be quite terrified at one level to stick out and not 
be part of the group and not join in with the group, particularly when we are being pressured to. But it is only a story in our head. Our brains, they don't do it out of any sense of malice, but our brains do lie to us. They tell us stories that aren't necessarily true and we can rewrite the stories in our head. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's, um, you know, as a society, we... I'm trying to work out, and I can't quite work out why we do it, but as a society, we do often mock people for making healthy choices. And I was recently at an online learning event, and there was an MC, and and she was great fun, and, you know, her job was to keep everybody who was, you know, sitting on Zoom for eight hours engaged. And she, at the start, said, you know, make sure you've got all your snacks here. And, she's, and she actually said, there is no shame here. We're not going to shame people for your choice of snacks. So get your M&Ms. And then she said, but if you're a nutritionist or if you're a dietitian and you want to eat your boring kale, go right ahead. So the paradox here of we're not going to shame you for your snack choices, she went and exactly did that. Because she thought it was funny and it's just not. It's pervasive in our society to mock people who make good choices to look after their body. It is. I see people who can also feel internal shame about being seen to make healthy food choices because they are afraid that they'll fail in their healthy lifestyle change and so they might not want their friends and family to know that they're embarking on a healthy change that they're choosing a low-carb real food lifestyle partly for the fear that they'll stick out partly for the fear that they they don't want to be difficult they just want to join in and take the path of least resistance but also partly as it's really private they might be ashamed of their body they might be ashamed of how they are how they look and they don't want people to know that they're trying to change it absolutely and i think you know it's so tricky people will go you might be picking the salad and the protein and they'll immediately hone in and go are you being healthy are you going to choose that you're not having this oh you're being all righteous it's quite incredible and you're trying desperately just to sort of eat good food and yeah you get you get shamed one of the things that we often talk about is that if somebody comments on your food and this is a really interesting thing they will comment on your healthy food choice very few people will comment on a junk food choice people are there eating cake nobody says to them i can't believe you're going to eat that cake i can't believe you're doing that nobody says that They will shame people for the result, perhaps. And, you know, people make judgment about people's body size and then they say things like, oh, well, they eat all that junk. But then we go ahead and shame them for eating well. It's just so confusing. So you can see why when people go, oh, you just need to eat well, it's so much more complicated than that. It's just not as straightforward. No, indeed. We have got... Very simple, powerful tools that we give people, that we teach people to deal with food bullies and food shame and to deal with situations like parties, like barbecues, where you know that the group will be probably eating food that is not in line with your goals and will be unhelpful for you and your health. We've got 
some pretty powerful, simple strategies. Lucy, talk us through some of them. Okay, so my favourite strategy is to have a line ready, as in an answer. When somebody comes around with the biscuits or the donuts at work, you've already got your line and the line is not, oh, no, thanks, I'm on a diet or I can't eat that at the moment. The line is much more assertive. It's, thank you, but I don't eat whatever it is, insert donuts, cake, biscuits. And if they look at you and they go, are you on a diet? You go, no, no, it just doesn't agree with me. That line, it just doesn't agree with me, it stops people dead. They're not going to ask about what are you doing? What's your life goals? What's your healthy eating plan? Are you trying to lose weight? They don't ask any of that. The inference is that it does something to your gut that they don't want to know about. So that's quite good. They're not going to ask you about that. For me, it's actually true. It doesn't agree with me eating biscuits. It wakes up fluffy and turns me into a carb craving maniac. I don't need to tell everybody that story. I don't want to necessarily tell everybody that story. I just say, no, thanks. It doesn't agree with me. Move on. Very powerful strategy. And what I love about that, Lucy, is that it is far more powering to say, I don't eat bread. No, thanks. I don't eat bread. No, thanks. I don't eat cake. No, thanks. I don't eat biscuits is way more empowering than no, I can't. I've got to be good. I'm sorry. I can't do it. That is really disempowering, but just calmly and quietly saying, I don't way more empowering than I can't. Absolutely. And it means it's coming from you. You're making that decision. Can't is often coming from somewhere else. It's somebody else is telling you what you can and can't do. I learned that little trick from my vegetarian daughters who, you know, would go to a barbecue and be offered a burger and they go, I don't eat meat. They're not saying I can't eat meat. They're just saying I don't. It's like, it was like a light bulb for me when I went, oh, I'm going to try that. It's very empowering. What about you, Mez? What are some of your strategies? I love having a plan. So if you're going to go into a situation where you know it might be a bit tricky, and for me, it is always the perennial problem of the tea room at work. I talk about the tea room at work all the time because my tea room at work is always filled with cakes and slices and like good slices, like slices that people have made or bought from good cafes, as well as, you know, crappier choices like processed biscuits. Just always, it's always there. So I have to have a plan about the tea room. But Other situations when you know that you're going to go to a party, to a barbecue, to a social gathering and there's going to be enticing food or going to be high carb food that you will be pressured to eat and perhaps food that you have previously really enjoyed and food that you might be tempted to eat. Have a plan. Don't wing it. I wing things a lot. I'm, I'm Generally, I'm a big fan of winging it in life, but in this circumstance, it's not a great idea to wing it. Go in with a plan and your plan could be whatever you want it to be totally depends on the situation if you know that there's going to be protein and salad protein and veggies your plan might be to just eat those your plan might be just to pick at the cheese platter without the crackers and the quince paste and to eat you know the burger and the salad your plan might be to fast your plan might be to go in there and just not eat at all can be tricky depending where you're at with your low-carb journey, but that's a reasonable plan. Your plan might be to bring your own food. That's good too. 
I did that with the picnic because I didn't know that anyone was going to try and cater for me. It was very nice that they did. They got it wrong. So it was good that I had my own food as a backup. Have a plan. And when you go in with a plan, it's also a good idea to do a bit of visualisation beforehand. This is, a, this is a trick that the elite athlete world has been on to for a long time and we've talked about it before on the podcast to visualise your plan. So the night before when you're feeling nice and calm and you know that you've got this social event and your plan is to insert plan here, to bring your own food, to eat low-carb food when they're too fast, whatever it is, and take three slow deep breaths so you get nice and relaxed, you activate your vagus nerve and your parasympathetic nervous system by breathing nice and slowly and when you're just a little bit calmer, run through in your mind like a movie what you're going to do. Imagine yourself very calmly, politely, kindly, full of gratitude saying, no thanks, I don't eat cake, it doesn't agree with me. Imagine yourself picking out your delicious protein and your veggies and eating that. Imagine yourself walking through the step. This is a really good thing to do, particularly for Christmas and Easter and settings where they can be quite tricky. Do that three times. It's like a form of self-hypnosis. And Dr. Lucy and myself are trained medical hypnotherapists and hypnosis is a really useful tool for, you know, changing behavior. You can just gently and naturally hypnotize yourself like this. Do it again in the morning and you are set. You are going to have a plan and you are going to win. Totally, totally. And I think just the more that you're able to assert your boundaries, the easier it gets. So the first time it might be a bit scary, might be a bit uncomfortable. It becomes super simple as time goes on. And I think... um, Being kind and patient with yourself as you develop this skill, also really important. And recognising that you are definitely the boss of you. If they choose to be unhappy because you're not eating their food, then that's actually on them. It's not your job to keep them happy. Everyone's responsible for their own emotions. What you are responsible, lovely listeners, is for your body and your emotions. And you know what? I just think go and own that responsibility. Own it and don't let anyone else boss you around. That's it for us this week. We actually have a new product. It's our birthday month. We have a birthday bundle. You can go and look at the details on our website at rlmedicine.com. But it's really exciting because it includes a 30-day hypnosis program a new hypnosis every day to harness that beautiful subconscious of yours. Unblock it and set it free. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.